Heavenly Father, we're so glad that we can be here. We're so thankful to be here. We thank thee for this, this beautiful day. Lord, we realize that when we get to this part of the month of October, we can have wonderful days that are filled with sunshine and relatively mild temperatures, or we can have dark, damp, snowy days. So, Lord, every day that allows summer or fall to be stretched a bit more, we're so thankful for. We're thankful for each soul that has come. We pray for those that can't be with us in this day. We pray that you might minister unto their needs, the Marcy's, Aunt Laney, Aunt Maria Harfman, Lord, others that may escape me at this time. Lord, we pray that thy spirit might visit them, that they might be aware of thy nearness, and that they might be drawn. Lord, we ask in this morning hour that thy spirit might speak to us, that we might be taught by thee, not the servant that stands before them, but thee. Lord, we're also mindful of those that are in difficult straits. Lord, we're mindful of the neighbors of Brother Orson, Sister Martine down in Florida, the Mahoney's, where the husband is being sent home from the hospital unresponsive. Wednesday evening, Lord, we prayed for my colleague's mother and learned Friday or Thursday, rather, Lord, that she passed away. Lord, comfort these families. We pray that in these times of uncertainty, in these two families, the Rolands and the Mahoney's, and in the hearts and minds and lives of all those in this troubled world, that when times of difficulty come, times of uncertainty come, they may be drawn to thee, for in thee is life, and that life everlasting. Lord, we also would ask that you would be with us in this, eve in this afternoon hour as brothers and sisters we will gather, Lord, and ask thy spirit to reveal to us servants to divide thy word, and we pray that we all might be receptive and that we might be thankful for the outcomes. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Dear ones, last, um, may, might be Thursday, I was Thursday morning, I was going through the, the inside of the Bible class lesson, and, and I read a, a verse out of John chapter 3 that really struck me, and I pondered it for, for quite a bit of time. So I'd like, with the Lord's help, to read out of John chapter 3. This is a very familiar chapter to us. Most of us could recite many, many verses in this chapter from heart, or by heart. I also want to remind us of something. When we, when we were going through our study of the Gospel of John, we learned that John wrote this toward the end of the first century, probably 60 years after it occurred. I'd also like to, to really realize or focus on the amount of detail that John puts out, John records. And then how thankful we are that John was a man of details, similar to Luke. John chapter 3, beginning with the first verse. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, 
he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he, where, when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, you cannot be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus saith, and Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know, and we testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, and he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, and neither cometh to the light, lest their deeds should be lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doth doeth trust cometh to the light. He that doeth truth, excuse me, cometh to the light, and that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. After these things came Jesus and his disciples unto the land of Judea, and there tarried with them and baptized, and John also was baptizing in, in Enon near Salem, because there, because there, wa there was much water there, and they came and were baptized. For John was not yet cast into prison. I'll find a little bit better light here. Then there arose questions between some of John's disciples and Jesus and the Jews about purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but, he that, but I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This, my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. I must increase. I must, he must increase, but I must decrease. 
He that cometh from above is above all. He that is in the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And what is he and what he hath seen and hath heard, that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received the testimony hath set the seal that God is true. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Through verse 36. Dear ones, I'd like to, I'd like to set the stage for us as we're entering into this chapter. So we have a Pharisee, a Jewish teacher, a rabbi of the Jews, an esteemed teacher, who clearly is troubled by the things that he's hearing and seeing. He doesn't understand what's happening. This Galilean is saying things that's touching his heart. The actions that he's seeing and hearing of, the miracles, cannot be explained. Probably the first that Nicodemus hears of something different is coming from John. John the Baptist, the Nazarite, the man that clothes himself in camel hair, eats locust and wild honey, and he's, he's sounding much like Elijah, which makes sense because he had the spirit of Elijah in him. So we read Isaiah, uh, Malachi had written that that the spirit of Elijah would come again. And that was in John the Baptist. And John is baptizing, and he's he's preaching a repentance, and he's preaching the doctrine of repentance and baptizing. But he says, "But, but there's one coming. There's somebody else coming. I'm just a voice in the wilderness preparing the way. I'm not worthy to loosen his sandals. He's gonna come. He's going to baptize, not just with water, but spirit. We, we heard that. Brother Rod did a beautiful job walking us through that this morning in the Bible class. So now Nicodemus, Nicodemus needs answers. And he comes to Jesus by night. That's what we read in the first verse. There was a man, a, na- a man of the Pharisees, a ruler of the Jews. The same came by night. He was afraid to come by day. The Jews weren't happy with Jesus. The rulers were, the, the Romans were concerned about Jesus. But Nicodemus need to hear, needed to hear the truth. He needed to have this teacher come and tell him something. So I want you to kind of picture this interaction. What was it like when Nicodemus came to Jesus? The ruler, one of the rulers of the Jews, one of the most esteemed, the one that people came to listen to to expound on the scriptures is clueless. It's not making sense. His heart is is turning over within him. And he says, We know that you're a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. These were miracles no one was doing. Yes, there may have been prophets in the past that did some miracles here and there. Nothing like Jesus. 
nothing on the, the frequency, the magnitude of Jesus. And what does Jesus say to him? Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That makes no sense, dear ones. Born again? And Nicodemus is thinking, and he even says it, he said, wait, wait, how can this be? Can I enter into my mother's womb again and be born? You're asking me to, you're asking me to believe something. You're asking me to, to, if I want to see the kingdom, that I need to be born once again. It's not possible. And I love how how Jesus says, and Jesus answered, very said to him, except the man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot see, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And, and so I can just imagine Nicodemus now kind of, okay, uh, now at least we're not talking about the physically impossible, but born of water and Spirit. Jesus says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. And listen, look at, the, look at the example Jesus uses. He said, the wind blows, you hear it, you feel it, you see its effects. Can you touch it? Can you hold it? Where did it come from, John? Or Nicodemus, where did it come from? Nicodemus doesn't know. So Jesus is giving him something where we can, he's giving an example of we can feel it, we can hear it, we can see its effects, but we can't see it, and we we don't really know where it comes from. Yet none of us question the wind. We see the waves being tossed about by the wind. We see the leaves being blown off the trees now by the wind. We enjoy the refreshing breeze on a warm summer day when we stand under a tree and there's a cooler breeze. It's the wind. We can't see it, but we feel it. We feel the effects of it. I remember one morning, and I wrote about this for work, I remember one morning taking a walk, and it was a warm, very warm, must have been like late July, early August morning, and I walked past this one spot on Abbey Road where there was this ravine. And the wind was blowing, the breeze was blowing down that ravine. And it was at least 10 degrees cooler than the rest of the, of the area. I felt this refreshing feeling of cool wind being blown through the ravine that was shaded, that had a stream in it. Nicodemus then says, you know, how can these things be? And Jesus says to him, Nicodemus, and look at the detail. Look at the detail that John has that's written 60 years probably after this event. John was paying attention. John was probably making notes because it mattered to John. And remember the purpose of the Gospel of John. It's to set the record straight concerning Jesus. Who was he? Why was he here? Where is he now? And what does it mean for us? And he says, Nicodemus, you're you're a ruler in Israel and you don't know these things? He didn't. The religious leaders of the day had made a God out of the law. They worshipped the law, not what the law was for. And Nicodemus was falling into that trap. But something inside him, the Spirit speaking to him, was saying, Nicodemus, you know this doesn't make sense. 
I think of, I think of Brother Freilich when I read this. Brother Freilich was in, the, was in the state church in Switzerland. And he's preaching and he's crafting, he's crafting sermons from Scripture. But something doesn't add up. The teachings that he's giving based on what he, under, what he thinks the word means and what he was taught the word meant didn't add up. And the Spirit wouldn't let him rest until he started listening to the Spirit. And the Spirit revealed to him the very truths that we're so blessed to have for us today. These apostolic truths that are timeless, that are not just a couple centuries old, but thousands of years old. Verily, I say unto you, we speak that we do know, and we testify what we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you believe them not, how shall ye believe if I tell you heavenly things? No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And then he gets on to, so he's saying, listen, nobody's gone up to heaven, but God came down. And I believe Nicodemus knew this. Nicodemus was far more in tune with what was happening with Jesus than, than John probably perceived at this time. And then Jesus has to tell him what it's going to be like. He says, you know, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Nicodemus knew what that meant. Nicodemus knew that when the Israelites were bellyaching and they were whining about, about their manna and about the fact that they had to eat the same thing six days out of the week and only got quail on one day and how they, could, they were just so un, ungrateful about what was, what was taking place, that they were being bitten by vipers. And do you remember what the, what the, what the, the solution for that was? Moses made a bronze serpent and hung it on a post. And all of the Israelites that looked upon the post and believed were cured from the venomous vipers, or the viper's venom. That, that bronze idol almost had to be, they had to look upon it. And that, that bronze that Moses had fashioned into the shape of a serpent had no power, but the belief that the Jews had in the promise had the power to heal them. And so I, I love how Jesus says, Nicodemus, you know this. And I could imagine that he maybe questioned him a little bit. He said, Nicodemus, what happened in wherever it was? What happened there? Well, they, why, did, why were they bitten? Because they whined and complained. And what was, the, what was the answer? Believe in God's promise, and they'd be healed. Pieces are starting to come together again. And as I was talking about the, the Jews whining and complaining, dear ones, I used to be so hard on them. Man, look at the whining and complaining. No, not look at. The amount of whining and complaining I did a year and a half ago can't leave my house, can't go to the restaurants, can't come to church, can't, all these restrictions that I couldn't do. I could eat what I want. I could go about in my home, How I could travel about in my car, but there were some limitations on my rights, my freedoms, and I whined and I bellyached. No wonder the Jews bellyached. We would have bellyached too, dear ones, if we would have had manna six days a week. Let's not be so hard on the Jews. 
And one of the things that Jesus is talking about in this chapter is, Nicodemus, I'm not talking about an earthly kingdom. I'm not talking about things that deal with just flesh and blood. I'm talking about a kingdom that is not of this world. A spiritual kingdom. That's why I'm going to baptize in the Spirit. Sorry, that admonition wasn't for you, it was for me, because the Lord just hit me with it. You whiner and complainer. I gave you far more than manna and quail, and you still complained. And then we get to John 3.16. All of us know it. But I want, you to, I want us to think about the words, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then verse 17, for God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. The world condemns itself. We are not condemned by Jesus. We're condemned by our own actions. We, when, I, when I used to have to deal with some human resource things at work, I would, I would never say, well, I, I used to start out by saying, I'm sorry, you, you're terminated. And as I got a little bit wiser and older, I stopped saying that. I told people, your actions have separated you from your employment here. I didn't fire them. Their actions did. When we, those of us, and God forbid it's anyone within the hearing of this, that may be judged in that last day, will be judged by our own selves because we rejected the offer of salvation. We have put it from us. What did Paul say to the, to the Jews? He said, seeing you have put this from you, I go to the Gentiles. That's why no one will stand before the judgment seat of God, of Christ, and without excuse. Or with an excuse. There will be no excuse. Because we all knew, we all heard, we all were called, and we decided on our own we wouldn't accept it. That's a sad state. And then Jesus said, He that believeth on him is not condemned, because he believed not, is, be, believeth not, is, he that believeth on him is not condemned, and he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And why is this? Because men love darkness rather than light. And why do men love darkness rather than light? Because they love evil. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, you know, it's not that, it's, the light's not the problem. The light coming into the world is not the problem. The problem is the man, because man chooses sin. Just, we can't blame Adam and Eve, because had they not sinned, we would have. They were just the first to do it. We love darkness rather than light. So what do we do? Is there no hope? There is hope. There is tremendous hope because what we need is a change of our mind. We need a renewing of our mind. And where does that come from? That comes from the Spirit. 
So as the Holy Spirit ministered to Nicodemus in this time and said, Nicodemus, something's wrong. Something just isn't right. Nicodemus, why are you tormented internally? Nicodemus, why are you questioning the, the, the law? Nicodemus, why do you find it so harsh that some of your fellow Pharisees have so much trouble with John the Baptist? Nicodemus, it's because what he's saying is true, isn't it? Nicodemus, you and your fellow Pharisees are worshiping the law, aren't you? You're missing the point. Nicodemus, there's truth in what this man is saying. There's truth in what you're seeing. You can't understand it, can you? Now, dear ones, as I, if I, as I expounded on what the Spirit may have been saying to Nicodemus, you were recalling, brothers and sisters, those same conversations the Spirit was having with you. Because how did, why would I think the Spirit was having those conversations with Nicodemus? Because he had them with me. David, there's something in what you're hearing, isn't there? David, why is it that this sin that you so much enjoy isn't satisfying your needs? Why do you feel guilty when you're done? Because you know it's wrong, don't you? You know that you were, what you were taught in Sunday school is true. There's truth in it, right? Don't fight. Just give in. And then what I decided to do myself was that I would reform myself, I would correct myself, I would make myself into the image of God. Well, there's idolatry for you. And I tried, and I tried, and I tried, and it didn't work. Oh, I could hide it for a while. I would be on a good stretch for a while, and then the wheels would fall off the wagon. And the Spirit would say, why are you trying so hard? Just give up and believe. You need to believe that I did the work. You need to believe that the work is complete. You need to believe. I believe that he died. I believe that he rose again. I had trouble believing he could forgive me and that that forgiveness was real and that it was complete. I had to look at him on the tree and believe. The verse, dear ones, that really hit me this week was verse 35. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth in him. Dear ones, what does that mean? He that believes has life. This is not future tense. This is present tense. The words that we read here, John is saying that he that believes on, just as the Jews looking at the, at the bronze serpent believed they would be healed, were healed. I wonder what the healing felt like. Was it just that maybe the viper stopped biting? Was it, but no, I think they, they were bitten. What did it feel like to have the venom neutralized and they aren't sick and they aren't dying anymore? Just because they believed. Do we rely on Jesus Christ? 
do we trust in? You know, if you look in the Amplified, it will add words like relies on, trusts in, adheres to. Do we rely on Jesus Christ to be our life? Do we rely on Jesus Christ to, to be our strength? Do we rely on Jesus Christ's teachings? Do we adhere to them? Do we, do we live out his life and his teachings? That's what it means. You can't believe and not obey. And, and, and you know, I'm, I'm learning, as, as we went through our Bible studies the last few weeks, I'm seeing, I'm seeing scriptures and they're, they're being illuminated for me a different way. Who was the gospel writer that penned down the entire Sermon on the Mount? The tax collector, Matthew, who was obviously gifted with details. If Peter would have been expected to document the Sermon on the Mount, it had been really short, and he might have talked about what they did or didn't eat, and how many people were there, and wow, was that a cool experience. But it was Matthew that said words like, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek. It was Matthew, Matthew was the one that said that if you even think on a woman in this way, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Matthew took the law to a completely different level. Why? Because Jesus did. Jesus took what was the framework of the law and made it personal and said, when you worship me in spirit and in truth, it is now something in your heart, not just your head. And you will act that out by the power of the Spirit within you. If I believe in the Son, part of that belief is the empowering coming through the Spirit. His empowering through the Spirit. John wrote, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you're going to do these things and greater things. He that abideth in me, the love of the Father is in him. Those are all things that Jesus was saying that John recorded. Gee, I wonder why he recorded so well. So he that believeth hath everlasting life. It's not coming later. We already have it. Think about that, brothers and sisters. When the chips are down and everything's going wrong and we don't feel well and we don't like what's, and the economy's plummeting and inflation is skyrocketing and it costs us, what do they say now, $2,100 more per year just to buy things than it did three months ago? Yeah, it does. I know it every time I go to the gas station. I remember a dollar some dollar ninety nine, dollar ninety eight, two dollars a gallon. Boy, now it's now if you if you if you if you're going through you know Costco or you might get it like three oh three, three oh four. So I have life. I am in him. I am his. I am chosen. I'm a child of the king. And he said, my kingdom is not of this world. So if my king said, the kingdom's not of this world, then this is not my kingdom either. I can't wait to get to that next kingdom. What really hit me was not that part of the verse. It was the last part of the verse. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, That's here. 
That's now. If we don't believe in the Son, we don't even see life now because we're, li- we're the living dead. That's why we pursue so many things that give us a short-term fix of happiness. We can, and we need more and more. We need, we need a greater and greater level of it to medicate us, to numb our minds and our hearts from what the Spirit is trying to tell us. Not only will we not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on us continually. Wow. We have the choice. We have the choice of life now or to stay dead. How sad that so many would still choose to be dead. May the Lord add his blessing to this word.